Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day it is for y'all. I appreciate y'all giving me a little bit of your time. I know you have other things that you could be doing with it. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast and spread the word and help it to grow, thank you so much. Um, very grateful and humbled by it. And I hope that y'all are getting something out of it. I assume that you are. You wouldn't come back. We're going to take one of our little walks down the road today. You can hear the turkeys in the background already. A little breeze. It is definitely rapidly moving into summer here. And the temperature is climbing more quickly than I would like. No dogs, no cats, nobody else, just us. So we're going to kind of carry on the last two or three podcasts, last few. But we're going to switch gears to a different right, although it's tied into the right to life for sure. We are going to switch over to the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms. And as I was doing prep for this episode, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I had to come back and scale it way down, which is fine because almost all of the topics that we cover here are bigger than one 15 or 20 minute episode. So we're going to see what we can do here. I'm going to read you. I'm pulled from a bunch of different sources today. So I'm going to read an excerpt in whole out of the Patriots Bible, which if you've been listening to this podcast for quite a while, you know how much I recommend it. Dr. Lee, uh, you can pick up a copy almost anywhere, and it's a phenomenal resource. It, it really should be in every single classroom in the country, without doubt, and I would recommend it for families. Even if you're not a Christian, it shows how inexorably, I pronounced that correctly, our country is tied to God. So we're going to start. Actually, I'll tell you what. I'm going to start with a few Bible verses that I pulled just to kind of set the stage here a little bit. This is out of Exodus 22. If a thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no guilt for bloodshed on his account. So Christian nation. This is Old Testament. Somebody breaks in and gets killed in the process of trying to steal from somebody else. There's no punishment for that homeowner. Should be none. We can see where that certainly has gone awry today. This is from Nehemiah 4, again in the Old Testament. Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. 
They were trying to protect themselves from local enemies seeking to attack them. And farther on in chapter 4, as for the builders, when they were working on the walls, each wore his sword strapped to his waist as he built, while the trumpeter stood near me. Again, this biblical basis, this right to defend ourselves against thieves, gangs, roving bands. You could easily translate that to mafia, cartel, modern definitions of criminals. And then from the New Testament, Luke 11, Jesus talking about when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are secure. Lord talking about the fact that it's that's how you keep your possessions safe is guarding your house. You have no responsibility to sit there passively when someone comes in. In fact, you could make the argument that you have a responsibility, especially as a man, for your family, or if the man's not there, mothers, for their children, you have a responsibility to defend your home. I'm going to read one more, because so often today we have people that like to use the Bible as a, as a whipping stick, for, and often they don't even profess faith in Christ but they want to use it to try and browbeat Christians into submission. They say, well, you're not. You're supposed to turn the other cheek, which is true. But you're taking one verse and ignoring a significant amount of other evidence and the responsibility that God gives us to care for widows and orphans, children and needy. This is from Luke chapter 22. And Jesus said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along, likewise also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his cloak and buy one. So this was when Jesus sent his disciples out really near the end. And he's telling them, telling his disciples, hey, you need to arm yourselves. You need to go get a sword. If you don't have one, it's so important to get one that you go and sell your cloak in order to have enough money to buy one. So with that as the basis, I'm going to go back to the Patriots Bible and read an excerpt. My children just came home, decided that they wanted to yell out the door, so I'm sure that will entertain you all a little bit. This is out of the Patriots Bible, the right to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution reads, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. I want to plug this real quick before I forget it. And I, and I wish, folks, that I could remember. I think this is out of the Federalist Papers. I couldn't find it. Some of y'all that are more well-versed there, you may know this. But somewhere along the way, our founders made the comment something along the lines that it was the citizen's right to keep the common soldier's weapon. What is a common soldier's weapon today? M16, AR-15, whatever you want to use. That's the common soldier's weapon. So citizens have a right, and you could make the argument at the squad level in the Marine Corps that, that a citizen ought to have the right to keep any of those weapons at that level easily. 
because as we're going to get into, the main purpose of the Second Amendment is not self-defense, but defense against tyranny, just like we see the left angling toward and, and has been angling toward for since the 1920s at least. Communism, socialism, totalitarianism, Nazism, fascism, all of these ideologies that fall in line with leftism. Having fled the persecution in Great Britain, the Puritans had laws requiring every family to own a gun, to carry it in public places, and to train children in the use of firearms. In 1619, the colony of Virginia had statutes that required everyone to bear arms. Connecticut law in 1615 required every man above the age of 16 to possess a good musket or other gun fit for service. The early laws of America are very clear about this. The people were responsible for their own defense and freedoms and needed to be prepared to fight. Thomas Jefferson said the strongest reason for the people to retain the right to bear arms is, as a last resort, to protect themselves against tyranny in government. At that time, there was no concept of a professional army created and paid for to defend the colonies. George Mason, called the father of the Bill of Rights, said, What is the militia? It is the whole people. To disarm the people is the best and most effectual way to enslave them. With the approach of the American Revolution, the natural rights philosophers had established the foundation for self-defense. Every man's life, they said, belongs to God. And to allow one's life to be taken because one failed to defend it was wrong. This natural law to the right of self-defense was also applied to the duty to protect one's family, community, and national liberties. For the colonists, at the heart of their religion was liberty, a sacred gift from God. We've certainly forgotten pretty much everything I've read so far. For the most part, the colonial churches, particularly New England's con congressional congregations, believed that to revolt against tyrants such as King George was to obey God. goes back to Jefferson and Franklin's quote, Re rebellion against tyranny is obedience to God. If they have had it, had had its roots in the Old Testament accounts of Israel's wars for freedom, but it became powerful fire that impassioned the citizenry, and it remains a belief that continues to influence Americans' view about the right to bear arms today. Probably could have skipped that last part, but the point is still valid. We have a responsibility to defend not just our families and our communities, which is true, but as Jefferson said, really the last resort to protect against tyranny of government, which we see today. We've seen it for decades, folks, and that's one of the things I'm going to go back to this Churchill biography because it's just fascinatingly good. I hope it is to you all because it just shows the, the connections between leftism today and Nazism in the population, the general population, not the leaders even so much during the early 1930s. But, you know, the left has told us what they're going to do for decades. And for some reason, we just want to pretend that that's not true. The silent majority, you know, just get along, the bumper stickers that say coexist, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you, you can't. Oil and water don't mix. You can't have people that have the values of freedom and liberty and people that stand for the values of the left. They, they can't mix. So we're going to read through a couple more quotes. We're going to pull one from 
signer of the Declaration and one of the framers of the Bill of Rights, Richard Henry Lee, it is essential that the whole body of people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. We, you know, we spend all this time in, in public education today teaching things that kids really don't need in their life, the majority of them. And you, you go, go find a teacher again. I say this so often. Go find a teacher that you trust or an administrator or a counselor and ask them. Our founders were huge on public education. They knew that we needed an educated population, folks. But it's kind of like C.S. Lewis said, you, you can't make progress if you keep going in the wrong direction. Well, we're going in the wrong direction today. We're not making our country better, our, our children better citizens. We're doing the exact opposite. And this is just one minor example. I say minor. It's not a minor. None of them. There's very few minor examples, I guess. But, well, that's not true. But anyway, we ought to be teaching them how to use firearms. Is this primarily a family responsibility? Absolutely. But it ought to be. In the Marine Corps, we had a, a saying, trust but verify. Well, if we're going to take by force taxpayer money to fund public education, then, and, and the second amendment, not the first, but the second, so I mean, it's pretty important, is the right to keep and bear arms, as Jefferson said, with a final defense against tyranny. Doesn't it kind of make sense that the public school system that's publicly funded would have a pretty significant role in teaching firearms? Sure does seem like it. All right, we'll see if we can get a couple more in here. Oh, I think this one. This isn't exactly on target, but I think it's just a phenomenal quote. This is from Jefferson. A strong body makes the mind strong. As to the species of exercise, I advise the gun. While this gives a moderate exercise to the body, it gives boldness, enterprise, and independence to the mind. Games played with the ball and others of that nature are too violent for the body and stamp no character on the mind. Let your gun, therefore, be the constant companion of your walks. I find it fascinating that we've put all this time, effort, and money into athletics today as a nation and so little into something that's so much more valuable and important, like the Second Amendment and knowledge of how to use and keep and bear arms in our history. Just one little example there from Jefferson. This is George Mason, I believe. Yeah. The people have the right to keep and bear arms that a well-regulated militia composed of the body of the people trained to arms is the proper, natural, and safe defense of a free state. This was his Declaration of the Essential and Unalienable Rights of the People, which was adopted by the Virginia Ratification Convention in 1788. And folks, we could keep going for a long time here. But here's here's the bottom line. The Second Amendment is no good without the first. And what I mean is if you don't have a God-fearing people or a people, regardless of their personal allegiance, that abide by and adhere to the teachings of Christ, the Second Amendment does you no good because then you just got a bunch of people that are armed with evil intentions and we get a front row seat to that criminally all the time. 
you you have to follow and adhere to these founding principles and teachings of our country in order for the Second Amendment to do us any good. That said, as our founders laid out, and these are just a handful of quotes, folks, there's, as I said at the beginning of this, it got so big that I had to go back and pare it way down because I knew it was going to take too long. Our founders clearly established that individual citizens had the right to bear arms with the main purpose not being self-defense. Yes, many of them commented on the need to protect families and the need to defend against criminals. But the bottom line, as Jefferson said, was to defend against tyranny. And, And if we don't have people that are trained and know, and I'm not talking about the military folks, I'm talking about regular everyday citizens. If we don't have a, a majority of the population, it's kind of like Coolidge said about if we don't have a majority of the population that has those core values of Christianity that are almost universal, we lose the republic. Within that, if we don't have the majority of citizens that that know this history and truth and, and are trained and equipped to use these firearms, we're just giving our freedom and our liberties away, basically which is what we've been doing. We just, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll kick God out. Yeah, I guess a baby doesn't really have the right to life. No, we don't, we don't really need this liberty or that one. We're going to look up, folks, and not have anything left. And, and Well, I'm just kind of rambling now. I think the point has been made. I appreciate y'all joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. And muscle memory had talked about that, I feel like, in a few episodes. But it's so important to listen to these quotes over and over again. That's why I come back and revisit certain things. Because we need to have them just kind of secondhand. Somebody says, no, you don't have the right to bear arms. You go, no, we do. And here's one, two, three. Here's the people that talked about it. Well, it's just for hunting. No, it's not. That's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to defend against tyranny. Jefferson said it. Others have said it, so listen to it, find your own quotes. Again, I I can't recommend enough Patriot's Bible, uh, and there's a lot of other wonderful sources. So thank you all for giving me a little bit of your time. God bless you all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to you all again real soon. Looking forward to it.